Hey everybody, this is Will Beinbrink. I am the lead of the Exorcism of God film, and I want to welcome you to the Horror Squad podcast. Welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast. This is episode number 296, where tonight we are going to be talking about 2023's The Nun Part 2. So I know Steve, get that lotion ready, buddy, because we know she's your girl. We are toddlers tonight, sort of. He did jump in and give his thoughts on the movie, so you will hear him a little bit during our Nun 2 review. But me and Steve going to be taking it down. Steve, how you been? How was your weekend? Uh, great weekend. Did a lot of like dinners and stuff, so that was fun. I actually did something I've never done before. I went to a restaurant that had robot waiters, and that was super interesting. Uh, that was the first time I've ever done that. The, the way that works is that you have people, they come to you, they like explain how the whole process works. They give you an iPad, and it was an all-you-can-eat sushi place. And you uh, order what you want on the iPad, and then you send send the robot, and then eventually the robot rolls to your table. Uh, it has the food like on its back, kind of. And once you grab the plate, it uh, it senses that there's no food left. It says thank you, and it turns back around and goes back to the kitchen. And that's what it does the whole time as you're kind of reordering sushi. Uh, it was wild, man. It was uh, it was like living in the future. Wow, the future is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Can you believe? I mean. That, that sounds wild. That's pretty awesome. I did go to a con this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be talking about it during our What Watch segment because we have uh, a little bit of a busy intro here. We have a few big announcements to make regarding October and our events. We were teasing a really big one for a while now. We're going to save that the best for last. So let's start off with a couple that we are going to be doing with our friends from, of course, Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles. We did the Damien Maffei event last year, the last two years there. And we also did our Armory Cats event there last year as well. Well, Silver Moon reached out to us, very nice of them, and they want us involved in a couple more events here. So these, I will mention, all three of these events are in Salem, Massachusetts. So Hopefully you can make it. It's over three different weekends, so hopefully you can make it out to at least one of them. Starting with number one. On Saturday, October 7th, the first Jason himself, Ari Lehman, will be signing at Silver Moon Comics. Uh, he will be there from 12 to 4, signing autographs. Also that night, his band, the first Jason, will also be performing a concert over at BitBar. Date, uh, time for that concert is to be announced, but just keep an eye on our socials and we will give you details on that. And then the next day, Sunday, October 8th, there will be a screening of the original Friday the 13th at Cinema Salem. Once again, our also good friends at Cinema Salem. There will be a Q&A with Ari Lehman before the screening. So go and check that out. I don't know if we're going to be involved like in the Q&A and all that. I don't know the full details yet. I got to talk to Silver Moon. But I think for sure we will be at the signing that Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Saturday, October 7th for sure. So if you want to come hang out with us um, and see us as well, head to the signing at Silver Moon. We should definitely be at that one. All right. Now, event number two 
is going to be taking place on Saturday, October 28th, where Douglas Tate will be signing at Silver Moon from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Douglas Tate, probably best known for his roles of, uh, he played uh, Michael Myers in Halloween Kills for stunt scenes, and he also played Jason Voorhees in Freddy vs. Jason and also stunt scenes, most notably in the Freddy vs. Jason. He is the Jason that comes out of the water at the end holding Freddy Krueger's head. Uh, as far as Halloween Kills, I am, I believe he did the scenes in the beginning of the movie, but don't hold me to that. I, I, I didn't do a full breakdown on him, but he played Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, so that is really cool. He is also, so he'll be signing at 11 to 2.30, but this is really cool. From 3 to 6 p.m., he is going to be doing an in-full Jason costumed photo op at silver moon comics from three to six he will be having uh holding the freddy head and everything just right from that scene so that's going to be really awesome as well silver moon is going to be pre-selling tickets for that i don't think they've gone out on sale yet but once they do keep an eye of course our discord and all of our socials we will announce that as well and also uh that same night at 7:30 p.m there will be a screening of freddy versus jason and Douglas Tate will be doing a Q&A as well before that screening. So once again, that is Saturday, October 28th for that event. The whole day starting at 11 a.m. with the signing. Costume up at 3 and movie at 7.30. So those two events out of the way. It's time to finally announce, ladies and gentlemen, something that has been in the works for months and months now, honestly. And we are so excited to finally be able to announce our big event for October. The event is titled, It's Just a Bunch of Halloween, which you might sound familiar to uh, a property we cannot discuss due to ongoing strikes. But this event is going to be really amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Our good friend, Omri Katz, is going to be coming back to Salem and he's bringing a few other friends. He is bringing Vanessa Shaw, Jason Marsden, and Thora Birch. Four people you might recognize from a very popular movie. So this is going to be a two-day event starting Friday, October 20th. There is going to be a special VIP party at BitBar. Tickets are going to go on sale Actually, they're already on sale um, as of the, this recording. So I'll give you the full details on that. I don't believe anything will be sold out by the time you hear this. So the party is going to be Friday, October 20th at BitBar. It is going to be uh, from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. It is going to be hosted by our good friend, Ms. Diamond Wigfall. Um, there is going to be a pro photo. Uh, included with this ticket is going to be a pro photo op with all four of the actors, as well as you'll get, there's going to be a burlesque show a drag show a dj um you're gonna get free game tokens and food there is going to be uh, a lot involved plus a special swag bag um, that sam is working on from halloween happy that is going to be amazing as well so that is going to be amazing tickets you can get uh on sale it's just a bunch of halloween.com like i said go to our socials and stuff you'll find the websites on all of that and then on Saturday, October 21st, the four actors, uh, once again, Army Cats, Jason Mars, and Vanessa Shaw, and Thora Birch are going to be signing autographs and taking photos at Salem Commons, which 
if you look across where they'll be signing, it will the high school is right there from that popular movie that, you know, I'm trying to give as many hints as I can, folks, here, but I can't, you know, do the strike. We can't say it all. They are going to be signing on Salem Common from 12 to 7 p.m., so it is going to be a full weekend of events. It's going to be amazing. You can pre-buy autographs and photos as well for the signing on Sam Common, which I highly recommend you do because there is a cap. We have already discussed it. Um, they are only going to be able to sign so many, obviously, autographs and photos. We know this is going to be the four of them together. It doesn't happen very often. I mean, it is kind of a rare thing, so we know it is going to be very popular so i would definitely recommend pre-buying your tickets because we do expect those to sell out at some point so once again head to it's just a bunch of halloween.com for the event me and steve are going to be there for sure todd on the fence i think he might show we'll see i don't know we're going to try to push him to be there but we're going to have a table set up as well next to the actors we'll have some hopefully exclusive merch to the event we're kind of working on that right now but you can come by say hi to us as well uh for the event and we're working with a ton of partners on this i'm not going to name them all because there's so many of them but you can see it on the flyer and posters we're going to post along the way but thank you so much to everybody that has helped work on this with us it has been quite a journey but it is going to be an amazing event so yeah steve let's hear your thoughts on this man yeah this has been in the works a really long time uh, we kind of teased it last year that this is something we wanted to do when uh, we hosted omri cats because that event went so friggin' well that we're like hmm can, can we make this somehow bigger and this year it's a definitely a lot bigger uh, you know you're saying how rare it was that these four individuals uh, get together uh, it, it not only is it rare, but I believe this is the first time ever that the four of them are together in Salem. So this is kind of a monumental event and it's going to be so freaking cool and huge kudos to Joe. The amount of emails and like logistics involved in this thing is ridiculous. So I'm on the same email, like just so for horror squad stuff, you know, and I just see them. Pass. It's like nonstop just in the just while he was talking. I saw like three of them go out and it's pretty wild just to see the names, like just to see like Thora Birch emailing and like stuff like that. No, it's, it's, it's going to be an amazing event from top to bottom. I, I can't wait to uh, talk more of the details and stuff over the coming weeks. And thank you everyone for your patience. I know we've been teasing this forever. It, it wasn't like kind of our fault. <laughs> There's a lot of logistics going on and we didn't know what would happen with the strike. Unfortunately, uh, some of the plans had to be nixed because of the strike. But uh, I think what we came up with is going to be friggin' awesome. And I, I can't wait to be there in Salem again in October. It's going to be awesome. So highly recommend you join us on the weekend of the what, 20 and 21st, right? Yeah, October 20th and 21st. There's going to be a lot of great stuff uh, going on. I should also mention actually on Friday, October 20th, our local news is coming in. They do a thing called Zip Trip. And so anyone that's there Friday morning, you might want to show up because there might there might be something special in that more on that morning as well, which we will announce the sooner it, it gets to it. But it is, it is going to be just an, an incredible weekend. Once once again, you can buy your tickets now. It's just a bunch of Halloween.com. Also, we're we announced this on Wednesday. So if you go over to our socials and our Discord, there's a QR code. You can scan right off of the flyer and promotional poster too, so you can get it through there. It'll take you right to the website as well, because I know that's a bit of a mouthful. It's just a bunch of Halloween. It's a lot to type, so if you if you want to just scan it as well, you can do it uh, that the easy way as well. But 
Yeah, well, uh, we're about a month away. I mean, so we'll give you guys any additional details and we'll let you know if we're getting close to a sellout or whatnot. But yeah, we hope to see some of you out there. We know it's going to be tough for some of you who maybe don't have your flights and hotels booked yet, but feel free to reach out on our socials. I can definitely lead you in the right direction to some thoughts. Most of the hotels are obviously are completely booked out in Salem, but I know, you know, Steve got a hotel, I think 20 minutes away. That's kind of the best option to do at this point. And it's not so bad. You can also get close to train stations and stuff like that. So if you are really wanting to come and you haven't booked your plans yet, don't panic. Like I know in a lot of these Salem groups, like people are like, oh, you're completely fucked. I, you know, being a local, I kind of know some ways around it. So yeah, hope to see you guys, some of you guys out there for sure. So just, (laughs) just a little piece of advice, uh, having booked myself uh, into a hotel, just do a little bit of due diligence because like there was a hotel, it was 500 a night and there was a hotel three minutes further. That was like 120 a night. And it's Mm -hmm. the same like rating of a hotel. It's not like a you know, I'm not going into a Motel 6 here. I'm going into like a like a Marriott or something, right? So sometimes just a bit further is really worth the the effort. So yeah. But yeah, reach out to us. Uh, Joe's like an expert. He'll tell you which towns to go in, which towns to avoid, and uh, all that stuff. So all right. That's, that's yeah, absolutely. How do we absolutely. top all that, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. We get Andy episode right here. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a, lot. Yeah. That a whole like, segment three, right three. there. Three very fun, very big events, and we're excited to to do them all for sure. But if I had to pick one, come to the it's a bunch <laughs> of Halloween one. We've really put in so much effort and work into that one. We'd really appreciate if you guys could come out to that one and show the cast because uh, there's already plans for next year. So if it goes off as well as we hope it's going to be, I think this could become an annual thing. So yeah, but it will it won't unless we get your support and get a bunch of people out there for it. So, all right. Thanks guys. All right. Well watched. We ready? Yeah. So I, I'll give Joe a little bit of a break here because you did a lot (laughs) of talking right there. Uh, I know you didn't watch anything, but you will tell us about your weekend at a con. Uh, I did watch a bunch of stuff, especially that I watched stuff while I was in Florida two weeks ago and stuff like that. So I do have two movies I want to talk about. The first one is a movie from 2018 that I watched over on Tubi, and it's called Possum. So this movie, very hard to describe without spoiling it, and I don't want to spoil it, but the really like little gist of it is there's a guy, he's carrying a brown bag, and he's got a spider-type creature inside the bag, and the movie is kind of about what is that bag, what is that creature, what's the meaning of the whole thing and that's really the gist of the movie i really don't want to give more than that because it's an interesting kind of journey into the discovery of what's really going on in this film it's a very abstract film you know it's not one that you're going to go in expecting this big story there aren't a lot of characters it's really about this guy discovering the secrets of what's in the brown bag And at first I was like, wow, this is really slow. There's not a lot going on. It's kind of repeating the same beats over and over. But the movie eventually finds its legs, no pun intended. And it gets really creepy and really interesting. The whatever is in that bag, once it starts showing itself in and starts like actually doing stuff, it's it's fucking terrifying, to be honest. Very creepy imagery. 
the score is incredible. It really puts you into kind of the mood of this film and the main actor. You might recognize him from um, Mission Impossible. He's in a lot of those. It's Sean Harris. Incredible job as uh, really carrying this film because, like I said, there aren't a lot of characters. It's really him and his dad for the most of it. And then a couple other characters show up very quickly. I don't think this is for everyone. This is one of those... If you really like slow burn, abstract, kind of different films, you'll be into this. But if you're like someone who likes kind of popular films and these big stories, this is probably not for you. So that's Possum that I watched over on Tubi and I gave it a three and a half stars out of five. So the the next, the other one I want to talk about is another movie that I watched over on Tubi and that is 2023's The Hopewell Haunting. So the Hopewell Haunting is a movie about the this preacher. He, he's in a really, really small town in what looks like maybe Tennessee or like one of the kind of southern towns. It's Kentucky. Sorry, it says right there in the, in the thing. Uh, it's in Kentucky. And he goes to his parish like he does every morning. And he sees that there are two people sleeping on a bench in his parish. And he's like, what the hell are you doing here? You're not supposed to be in here. And they said that there's something that's scaring them at their house. And they would like the priest to kind of exercise the house and check it out and make sure that's okay. Because there seems to be like a demonic spirit inhabiting their home. So he reluctantly agrees and he goes to check it out. And the movie is a lot of him slowly, and I mean slowly, discovering what's haunting this place and he doesn't believe them at first he just thinks they're grifters and they're trying to kind of mooch off him and get food uh, from the church and to sleep at the church and stuff like that because their place is kind of a dump well actually it's really much of a dump not just kind of a dump but then once the entity i guess i don't want to spoil too much uh shows up and it gets a little bit uh creepier and it's yeah it's pretty terrifying i'd say but there's not much of it so it's a lot of nothing for maybe a minute or two of payoff uh the movie is not great but as far as Tubi, like it's not in the Tubi original officially but something i think that people would only see on Tubi. it's not the worst i've ever seen i gave it two out of five stars so that's the hopewell haunting yeah it's Tubi and amazon here in canada so whichever you can watch it on all right joe how was Very nice. uh, your time at yet another con Seems every week we're yes. talking about you had a con these days. Yeah, yeah, it's been busy, busy times. But there were two cons, two straight weekends here, at, right in my home state of Massachusetts. So I had to check them both out. Shout out to TerraCon that happened this weekend. So they actually are run by the same people who do Rhode Island Comic Con. So a, a bit, bit of a bigger uh, company that puts this on. But TerraCon actually disappeared for the past four years. They took a sort of break. And they decided to finally bring it back. Uh, COVID kind of shut them down and they haven't been back since. So it was great to finally see them back. They went to a new venue this year. Um, they were out in Marlboro, Massachusetts at the Royal Plaza Trade Center. And once again, big shout out to Terracon. They did give us press passes uh, for this one, but I'm giving my honest review on this, even though they did that. And I got to say, 
they put on a good con, man. I, I really did uh, enjoy this one. I thought the venue was was perfect. I do think they have some kinks to work out as far as line issues and stuff. I mean, Robert England was there, and whenever you have Robert England, it's never going to be easy um, with crowd control. But I think that they did the best they could with what they had. You know, this is the first time I had seen England on. The, like the main floor every other kind of get i've gone to they put them in a separate room however there was nowhere else to put them because it's just one big sort of convention floor with like no separate sort of rooms i will say um so the hotel is up the hill and that's where they held the panels so it was that i guess the weather luckily was nice so it was just a short nice short walk up to the hotel to do the panels they also did run shuttles every five to ten minutes to take people up there. Um, but I mean, you're talking less than, you know, a quarter of a mile walk, you know, it's very, very close. So it, uh, yeah, I mean, so that didn't bother me. I feel like maybe some people would complain about that, but I thought that was, was fine. The photo ops also set up on the convention floor, but yeah, overall a, a great con. I thought, you know, I didn't know how panels would go considering the strike, but honestly, like they did a really good job of sort of, not naming specific movies, but you knew exactly, you know, what they were talking about. And fans did ask specific questions and they answered them. You know, I, so I went to, um, the first panel I went to was child actors panel, which was really good. Um, it had, uh, Carl from the walking dead, Danny, the two Dannys from each shining the original one and the miniseries, Edward furlong. And there was a girl from Walking Dead. I was not familiar with her. Stevie, you're the big Walking Dead fan. So you know, uh, Enid from the Walking Enid. Dead. Enid, okay. Yeah. So they had all them there. And I just got up. I asked Danny from The Shining, the original Shining. I just asked him about Kubrick and his excessive takes. I was like, you know, most famously, he did over 100 takes with uh, Shelly and Jack in that stairwell scene. And I was like, you know, what what did you think about like did you do a lot with danny he's like yeah he's like the same he's like but i thought it was normal because he was only eight years old he's like so i just thought that's how movies worked he's like i didn't realize how crazy it was until then and then yeah he talked about how kubrick shielded him he was very protective over him during the movie you know he's like you know i had read and i asked him a follow-up question about you know did you there was you know, they, they said that he didn't know he was actually filming a horror movie because he was shielded. But he's like, I figured it out pretty quickly. Like, obviously, he's like, what can you really do? But he said, you know, he didn't see it when he was a child, but he remembered going to the movie theaters to, and watch the trailer. And he said, you know, the and it was the blood coming out of the elevator trailer. And he's like, what the hell is this? Uh, so that was really cool. I also attended the Mick Foley panel, which was great. You know, I love I grew up watching wrestling, loved wrestling as a kid. Not so much anymore, but Mick Foley, just an absolute legend. And he was great. He actually did a Mankind impersonation at, at one point, which was really, really cool. And then I attended Robert England's panel, of course, and he's always great. You know, he's amazing. He just talked about his whole career and everything like that. And but he was very, very cool. Obviously, I also met him. I got him very first thing on Friday. I only waited two hours, which I don't think is too bad considering for him. But I mean, his line was insane all weekend. I also met Mick Foley. He was great. Put on his mankind mask. Got a good photo with him. Derek Mears. Oh my, Derek Mears was amazing. We talked for like 10 minutes, a good solid 10 minutes, mainly about Friday 13th. But we also talked about Swamp Thing. 
as well and just like horror in general because he is just like a huge horror fan himself so when i brought the big poster to get signed we were kind of just discussing about that and he wanted to be the first person person to sign in a different color so he signed in yellow because i didn't have yellow yet so we were looking to, to figure that out i also met danny of course from the shining he was great we talked about actually him being a teacher because he is actually a professor at a college in Kentucky now, which I thought was really, he's a um, biology teacher, actually. Um, so he went and chased his, his passion doing that. And I think that was it. I think that was everyone I met. So yeah, I mean, it was a, a great con. They put it on really well. I really hope it seemed like they had a really successful weekend. So I think they'll be coming back for sure. So uh, I would definitely recommend people checking it out. They said they might change venues next year, though. So we'll see about that. But yeah, if you're ever in the area, Terracon, I would pick Terracon over Silver Scream between the two I did over the past two weekends, just because they had way more vendors at this one. I think Silver Scream also a great con, but they've way outgrown that venue with only 20 vendors. This con probably had about 60 to 70 vendors. So it was more along the lines of sort of a Texas Frightmare weekend style convention. So uh, yeah, both great cons though. Just depends kind of what you're you're looking for. But uh, yeah, great time. Yeah, th that's amazing. Uh, so I'm going to ask you again, because I, th I think you're going to say the same answer as last time, yet it wasn't true this time. Uh, is this the last time that you're meeting Robert England, uh, at least for an autograph? Man, I sure hope so. I thought, yeah, like I thought I was done with him at Texas Frightmare. But then, of course, I started my poster project. But yeah, I think this is it. I really do. I, I don't foresee myself starting any additional projects that are going to require a Robert England autograph. I mean, I think I have them on five items now or something like that. So yeah, I think I'm I'm finally done um, with him. And we talked Jackie Earl Haley, actually, because when I met Jackie Earl Haley, he told me that like him and England never like met. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Jackie's telling me you never met. He's like, I met Jackie. I met him like 40 years ago at this place and this place. I was like, that guy's got a fucking memory, man. He's it's amazing. But uh yeah, then he was telling me how Jack Carroll Haley's like grandfather was in the Wizard of Oz. I think he was like the Tin Man or the Cowardly Lion or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's Robert the guy's England's amazing. A, yeah, yeah. He's an amazing yeah. speaker. Like yeah. so such an interesting guy. And my mm -hmm. other question is so I I've seen the poster in person. It's Hella impressive. I know you got a lot of big names right now on that, but who are your top three targets uh, of people who are like believable? You know, like I get sure. you know, Jack Nicholson would be amazing, but that's not going to happen. Like, who are yes. your three <laughs> believable targets for your poster? Yeah. I actually, so I actually, I didn't even, I met Lance Henriksen too, and I had him sign under Pumpkinhead. And dude, that dude, he's so. That dude's like old, but he's still like completely like with it. And like we talked Pumpkinhead and we also talked Near Dark because I told him like I had never seen Near Dark until we reviewed it for the podcast. And I was like, man, that movie fucking rules. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I love that one. But he was telling me like how when he got the script for Pumpkinhead, he's like, this is the stupidest fucking name like in the world. But he's like, the writing was amazing. So I had to. I had to do their old, but that guy's awesome. So yeah, like it's funny you mentioned about the Jack because like when I met Danny, like I was like, I was like, I'm never going to meet Jack. I was like, so can you just, I had him sign on like Jack's forehead. Like, you know, cause I was like, it's never going to happen. So as far as top three right now, I would love to add Elvira. It's probably one of the bigger ones that I would like to add on there. I think Dreyfus would be great because I have Jaws on there and he's kind of the last big actor that's alive as far as Jaws actors go. And then I I mean, I think I need to get Brad Dorff on there, of course, from Chucky. And 
lastly, I guess Linda Blair. I mean, you got Reagan on there. I already got Pazuzu, so I'd love to add her as part of it. But other than that, like, I'm pretty happy. Obviously, like, if any other big actors, like, obviously Tim Curry would be amazing, but he never signs in person, so it would have to be a mail-away at this point. And, yeah, I mean, well, but I mean... Yeah, no, I think that as far as like big, big names that are attainable, that's probably going to be it. And then obviously like some bigger act uh, directors that could be added down the road and stuff. But yeah, we'll leave it at that for now. I've, I've, I'm very, very happy with who I've already put on there. But there are some of like gleaming ones where I looked at. They're not big. They're very attainable. But like Jeffrey Combs, he's like on the poster. I definitely need to add him at a certain point. And then, like, so there, I mean, Phantasm is represented, obviously, of course, Ang- Angus Grimm has passed, but I think I could probably get, like, Reggie Bannister on there for, for that or something like that. But I would, I need to add more leather faces, too. I don't have a, I don't think I have a leather face on here yet. So that's definitely the goal. But I have a fuckload of Jasons and Michaels on there now, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> and all the Freddies. And so, both Freddy's, yes. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I uh, can't wait to see, uh, you know, once you get everything. Have you met everyone that you, like, from your target list in the past? You met El- Elvira, Brad Durst, yeah. and... Uh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now I gotta go, now I gotta do it again. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Jennifer Tilly maybe one day would be yeah. obviously, like, amazing. Does she do cons anymore? Like, I don't see her doing she's cons. Never, she's, ne- she's never done one. Yeah. Um, they, I know cons are always trying to get her, and she just has no interest, but... Never say never. I mean, some of some of these guests just end up yeah. coming on, you know. So like, you know, I never thought you would see like Kiefer Sutherland doing a con, and right. he's been doing it lately. So and who else? Like uh, Katie Segal is doing them now. Never yeah. thought I'd see her doing them. And Alyssa Milano just got announced for her first con ever. Marissa Tomei just did one recently. So I mean, some of these big actors are starting to to make their way out there, and maybe Jamie Lee. One day we'll do another one, yeah. and I can one, get her one, on the poster. one more, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you want to get into the questions? Yeah. All right. You can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast, or of course on our Discord, which is where the majority of the people ask their questions. Amazing community in there, always talking about horror and all sorts of other stuff. First question is from Lil3 Cord Me. That's Shaylin. So this is Mary Fuck Kill, but with a twist. Instead of killing the last one, you have to hire them for a job. Your pick can be something like a mechanic, personal chef, personal assistant, someone who's working directly for you. And the three nominees are Leatherface, Freddy Krueger, and Michael Myers. Okay, well, I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry Michael because he's you know he's quiet. He just seems like he would go with the flow. You know, I think we'd have a good time together. Then I'm fucking Freddy because he definitely would be a great time. Like, I feel like, <laughs> uh, you know, in that in that department. And then so instead of killing, I'm hiring Leatherface for something. Right. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Leatherface is my cook. 100 yeah. percent. Guy, guy can cook up some good food. Good barbecue. Hey, he's also a good seamstress, right? He can. Uh, yes. <laughs> he can make your uh, your cosplay costumes for you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm also going to marry Michael cause he's quiet, you know, kind of easy to deal with. I'm going to fuck Leatherface. I don't, I feel like he's, he'd be a good one time, you know, uh, Freddie would just be too annoying, I think. So I'm going to have to hire Freddie though. And I'm going to just make him my gardener kind of like Edward Scissorhands, but he probably makes stuff that's more horror. You know, Edward Scissorhands makes like dinosaurs and shit like that. I think Freddie would make, uh, 
some pretty spooky shit to put in my yard. So I think that would be my pick. Her next question. Oh, this is an old school question. What's the food pairing for tonight? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. It has to be something. Oh, man. Food pairing for the nun, too. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Steve? You got anything? Yeah, I do. Uh, all right. I, I prepped all the questions this week because they were a the little more involved. The Eucharist uh, yeah, right. wine? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. I'm actually going with the French-Canadian menu because we got, of course, Maurice, who is one of the stars of this movie. And, of course, I'm half French-Canadian, so definitely um, going to do that. So my first one is going to be Tortillard, which is French-Canadian for meat pie. Then, of course, we have to have a poutine on the side. Very important. Any French-Canadian knows that. And also, as another choice, smoked meat sandwich, because that is something that's very famous out of the city I come from, Montreal. And finally, for dessert, tarte au sucre, which is sugar pie. So that would be my menu for the nun, too. What about you? What is it? What is sugar pie? Like what is it? Like it's is that... it's, uh, it's hard to describe. It's like basically fucking inserting yeah, sugar to your veins. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a pie. Like it looks like a pie. Yeah. Uh, no, no top on it. At least the ones that my, my grandmother used to make. And it's like pure fucking sugar. It's like brown sugar. <laughs> oh, I mean, it looks good. Is it like a custard? Kind of. Yeah. Under it? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. If ever you come to Canada, I'll, I'll have, I'll have you taste it. It's, it's very it good, like, but it's, it looks get, good. It's one piece. Yeah, it's not like mm-hmm. you ain't eating more than one piece. Right. Yeah. Nice. The band, all, French ladies love that shit. Like my grandmother <laughs> and her sisters are all over the sugar pie at uh, right. like Christmas dinner and stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got anything to add to our menu for the nun? No, I mean, that sounds perfect. I, I like I said, I guess add a little wine in there. I feel yeah. uh, maybe it would be good. So, but other than that, no, man, I don't know. Maybe something not charred since we's the beginning of the movie. That dude <laughs> right. caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. Um, her final question. Favorite nun of any movie you've ever seen. So what are some of your favorite nun Ooh. or nun movies that you can That's think a, of? Man, there's not many good ones, honestly. Man, I watched something. Well, God, I watched something a couple years ago. Go ahead, Steve. I'm going to see if I can pull it up because it was actually like really good. And it was kind of a famous director. I definitely talked about it on the podcast on what watched, but I can't remember the name of it. I'll try to pull it up. But as far as that, I mean, I think, oh. It was about a nun, like a a movie about a nun. It just had an uncharacter in it. They were in a nunnery. Like the movie took place like in like sort of a, sort of a women like, you know, getting ready. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. It was very good, but I can't remember the name. It almost cracked my top 10 from what I remember, but it was, and it was pretty solid. But other than that, yeah, man, like the, there's a lot of great religious horror movies, but as far as like movies that just deal with sort of nuns and convents, I, I feel like, you know, this is probably the best we're getting right now are these nun movies. Uh, yeah. So obviously Valak is the best nun to me. Like we'll talk about that during the review from the nun in the conjuring Two. Uh, other notable nuns in movies, both horror and non-horror. Of course you have Whoopi Goldberg and sister act classic nun movie right there. You have dead man walking, which is not horror, but I mean, it toes the line because it's about uh, someone in, about to be executed. So Susan Sarandon plays the nun in that one. You have probably one of the creepiest nuns ever in a way. 
it's the the uh, nun in Problem Child. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but uh, he he starts off as um, like, like a kid who's about to be adopted, and he's run by nuns, and they're absolutely awful. Probably one of the best scares of all time in horror history, in my opinion, is from a nun, and that is The Exorcist Three with the shears, just absolutely terrifying. And finally, of course, cannot go on without mentioning this one: new nuns with a with big guns which is apparently a thing. I've never seen it. I can't find it anywhere, but I have to find it eventually. It's it's going to be it's on my watch list. So, that would be I think the nuns that I would think of anyway. So, uh thank you Shaylin for that. Next one comes to us from an old friend of ours, uh, Jedi Mind 1207 Mondo from the Let's XP Game Gaming podcast. He says, "What horror franchises have the worst sequels. Yeah, those are pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There hasn't been many good ones after the first. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street has some stinkers, but so does Texas Chainsaw and Halloween. I think Mm -hmm. they all do, but there's also, they also have some great ones. So yeah, I think I can't think of a good one after Amityville one and Amityville, honestly, the whole Amityville franchise is probably overrated. We got to get worse and worse. Eh? <laughs> so. I'm going Hellraiser. I don't like the first one, but mm. it's still passable. But boy, even the new one is like, eesh. Yeah. Uh, Evil Bong. Like the first one is okay. I mean, the first one's called Evil Bong. So what do you, what do you I know, expect? but the first one isn't that bad. If they kept in that kind of horror territory, I think it could have been decent, but they just abandoned the horror completely and it becomes stoner comedy. And I say the the word comedy very loosely in this uh, situation. But I think Amityville is probably the best answer because holy shit, did that fucking franchise go off the rails? And I don't know, it must be a public domain thing, right? Like the, the amount of movies that... It's gotta be, yeah. It's like five or six of them every year. It's ridiculous. Alright, so the next one, uh, still from Mondo. Who wins in a battle between Valak and Pazuzu. Ooh, I mean, they're both fucking powerful demons. It's not... I. It's a pretty fair fight, man. It's a pretty fair fight. I guess because... I guess I'm going to go Valak just because we we've seen what she can actually do, whereas Pazuzu was kind of tied down the majority of the movie, and we never saw, I guess, the full power of Pazuzu. So I guess I'll go Valak just based on that. I, I, I go with that one because we've seen what she can do, right? And I mean, Valak was defeated by. I mean, who would you. Let's, let's flip it. Who would you want to be on your demon fighting side? Would you rather have the nun crew or the exorcist crew from the beginning, uh, from the first exorcist? Probably the nun crew for me. The exorcist crew, they, you know, they take a long time to get there. I mean, you know, Valak Harris is cool, but. It's really all in like the span of a couple hours, you know. And I don't know. I think you know these ones are going. They're going to fucking town to town. They're Indiana Jonesing, like you know, relics and shit. It's they're, they're putting in the work, you know. The other two just fucking went to the room and or, read a Bible or Russell Crowe. I'll add a I was gonna say oh. I, that was my that was my answer. I was gonna say neither. Give me Russell Crowe on a <laughs> <Right>? Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> We still need to establish, did he ride that fucking scooter across of all of Europe? He did. That's like, that's his superpower, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think Valak is stronger because we don't really see what Pazuzu can do. I mean, Valak is like destroying full-ass churches 
and Pazuzu got stopped by bed sheets. You know, the tie could open a drawer though. Oh yeah, that's uh... Uh, once though. <laughs> Why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think Valak has it, but just based off us not seeing the true power of Pazuzu. Next series of questions come to us from Eric. Unpopular opinion: What hated movie really isn't that bad? Ooh, hated movie. Well, let's establish like what is a universally hated movie. I guess right. Like it's Not tough. Elm Street remake. Yeah, it's but not that all, bad. We all enjoyed it for what it was. And yeah, it's, it's not largely hated. Yeah, agreed. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I put three of them because I, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and like the lowest ranked <laughs> horror movies. The three that I didn't agree with because I think they're actually pretty good. The Devil Inside has a 6% Rotten Tomato score, and I think the movie's actually pretty good. I mean, it's not great, but it's, like, pretty good. Uh, Species 2. I like Species 2. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It had a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that was ridiculous. The whole series, I think, is great. And uh, one that's very divisive, but people really seem to hate, and I don't get it, I think it's uh, also a pretty good movie, is It Follows. It Mm. seems that people really hate that movie, and I don't really understand why. I hate that movie. I know. <laughs> I saw your score for sure. Yeah, I need to revisit I, it. I, I think isn't that what majority liked though? I I thought it was. The I feel like it. I feel like it, it was majority liked too. Like when yeah. it came out, I thought it got a lot of buzz. I haven't heard anything from it recently though. So, from from all you uh, it follows people, Second Sight just put out a, like a really amazing uh, special edition set with like a hardcover book and everything. So, go pick that up if you like the movie. Sweet. Sweet. I'll throw out Blair Witch 2 because I always feel like that movie is. <laughs> I love it. Awful. I don't know. I just feel like it's. I thought, I thought I feel it was like, bad. <laughs> I, just, I feel like it's very smart for what they did, like for changing it up. But, you know, I'm, I know I'm <laughs> a massive minority on that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. His next question conversely, what loved movie isn't as good as people make it out to be? Hellraiser. I've seen a lot of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two love recently. Oh, and so good, just, man! It's, it's, it's all like right. It. It's no, I mean it's okay, but I just I don't understand like the massive appeal. Yeah, maybe that's one that's gonna. Well, I don't know because you've always liked Halloween three along with me, so that it's not mm-hmm. a flip. But everyone flipped on Halloween three. Like, where were you guys fucking ten years ago? <laughs> right, right. seriously, for real. Um, but no. uh I think Phantasm. I know we talked about it, but Phantasm just yeah. doesn't do it for me. And I see a lot of people liking it. And the tall man's cool. And I like the spear and everything that like stabs people in the head. But man, I, it's like a really strong TV movie in a bad way vibe for that movie. Yeah, I think that's a pro. I think that's like a big problem in general. Is people remember movies they watch as a kid, but only remember like the iconic scenes or like in certain scenes and then they don't remember the rest of the movie and it's like oh yeah that movie is fucking amazing and you're like eh, have you watched it recently it's <laughs> right. not as good as you remember <laughs> god i hate when that happens the three i wrote down one of them which i'm not going to get on this train again but fucking skin and rink i just get on that train playa i just don't get it i don't fucking get it hey, if, yeah. if, if someone loses in fancy football someone's watching that movie as i a know and it's gonna be me on my own too and me so. too so <laughs> shoot man yeah, I know nothing about fucking football, so <laughs> God, I hope not. The other one is I know what you did last summer, like super beloved movie. I don't think is that good. Uh, we reviewed it, so you can check out our score there. And another one we reviewed, which I fucking really don't get, and I think Todd has my back on this one. Uh, New Nightmare. God, I just oh, don't boy. get it. <laughs> it's it's I don't like it at all. 
but it seems to be pretty loved within the community. And no, uh, if I, I don't know what's the Rotten Tomatoes on that one. I feel like that I'm one sure. kind of <laughs> got shit on, but <laughs> I'm all for. It. I'm a big New Nightmare lover, though. Go back in the store episode if you want to hear it. You can hear Stephen Todd shit on it and me love on it. Exactly. So, so his next question, I'm I'm gonna ask it, but I don't want you guys to answer because we're gonna talk about it during the review. It's actually one of my last questions during the review. Is where would you like to see the Conjuring universe go from here? Based off the end credit teaser uh, that's the discussion i want to have is where does it go from here so we'll shelve that one and eric's final question pick a horror icon to face off against ed and lorraine warren who wins the battle Ooh, well let's see it's gonna be something supernatural right mm. what you're thinking uh, rotten tomatoes has west craven's new nightmare of a 66 audience score and a 79 tomato score wow that's pretty high a lot higher than i expected yeah all right. Well, can Ed and Lorraine team up with Vespa riding Russell Crowe, though? That's because then they'll defeat anyone. <laughs> really. uh, let's go Ed and Lorraine versus Pazuzu. Perfect. Yeah. Crossover. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think you got to go. You got to be supernatural, right? So you can't be fighting Leatherface or something. I think Leatherface would stomp them out. Let's go Freddy. Let's see what they do against Freddy in the dream world. Yeah, that's exactly the answer I had as well. I think Freddy would be fun. Go go after the Dream Demon and see uh, what they can do. And I think Freddy would probably defeat them. But who knows, man? Freddy, like, he's both super powerful, but also gets defeated by, like, by you love know, not, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that fucking mirror. And, like, who knows? Like, you know. D&D kids Freddy. in part three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who knows how, how powerful he actually is. Very inconsistent. So that would be my answer there. And that was the final question we had. Thank you, everyone, for the question. Cannot do this segment without you. And now, time for our main review. All right. The Nun 2, currently out in theaters, 2023 release, obviously, directed by Mr. Michael Chavez, the greatest evil in the Conjuring universe. How do you guys feel about that tagline? That's like a kind of patting, the old, patting your old back on that, right? Yeah. yeah, actually, I just have to mention Michael Chavez. Do you know what other films he directed? No, but it's probably like a it's kid all, movie. It's all a bunch of bullshit, from huh. what I remember. The, the Conjuring 3 and La Llorona. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. The two worst movies in the Conjuring franchise. Okay, cool. <laughs> that, that's We'll talk about it later, but like I'm like, this is like The Conjuring 3 with the super dad going after people. But anyway, four years after the events at the Abbey of St. Carta, Sister Irene returns once again and comes face-to-face with the demonic force Balak, the nun. Okay, so the start of the film, we are in a uh, church in Europe, and there's some um, tomfoolery going on. There's some sneaky stuff. There's some weird stuff. There's a young altar boy who's putting away some wine. It shatters. So he runs to get the father. He's like, Father, someone in the church. He's like, where? And they heard a loud bang. They start creeping around, asking, is anyone here? Get out of here, whatever. They go in the main part of the church, and the father is attacked. And he levitates and then just bursts into flames, which is a really freaking cool scene. And then we see a mysterious figure walking away. Like, who's this? Uh-oh, it's the guy from the first movie, Steve's favorite French-Canadian. What's his fucking name? Maurice. Maurice. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we go a little bit further in the film. And Irene, uh, played by Tira, Thaisa Ferminga, she's in a new like um, boarding house kind of place, you know, taking care of kids, teaching school, stuff like that. And... She is approached by, I guess, a cardinal in the church, whatever, saying, hey, we need your help. Uh, the father that helped you in the first film, he passed away, so you're the only one that has experience with demons. We see a trend where 
churches are being attacked by across Europe and they're like making their way to this certain point. Can you help out? And she's enlisted. And then we learned that Maurice um, from the first film, French Canadian, uh, Valak kind of possessed him at the end of the first film and now is using him as a vessel to just go around on her murderous rampage. And she is trying, or the, the nun is trying to get a religious artifact. I forget who it is, the eyes of some saint. So she can Saint become Lucy. all Saint Lucy, so she can come become all powerful or something like that. And of course, the artifact is in this boarding school. And we follow around these characters as scary stuff happens. And that is it. Not a huge fan of the first one. I know Steve watched this. Um, give us your thoughts. But I, the the original like was really cool as far as the sound, the sets, cinematography, stuff like that. That was all effective. It's just the story was a little bit bland, a little bit too convenient. And I think they doubled down with part two. Unfortunately. I was bored mostly throughout this film, apart from the beginning, the end, and a couple stuff sprinkled here and there. But overall, I think this was a miss for me. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved the nun character. And I thought the first one was like fine, but definitely lacking in some ways. Like I was talking to Steve, I think, off the air before we got on. I was like, I think I was the most positive on the first nun movie um, when we did review it a while back. But I was, so I was excited to go see this part two here and uh actually i don't even think i mentioned it on the podcast but sam and i like got to go to a little advanced screening where they gave us like some free merch and stuff so that was already pretty cool to start off so i was like already i was like really pumped to go watch this and i do think it's an improvement over the first movie but not by much honestly there were times when i was watching this like where it felt like almost the exact same movie like i feel like they didn't like, I mean, I understand it's almost like exact sequel, like basically almost directly a continuation, but I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like they kind of like, I feel like they went, they tried to go, I wish they went like somewhere else with it rather than what they did. Cause it just felt like I was watching the same movie uh, at times. I do think, I mean, I love Thaisa uh, Farmiga's character. Uh, I love her as an actress and I think she's good here. I think she does carry the movie in a lot of ways. Now I think her sidekick character was completely unnecessary here. The new actress they bring in uh, Storm Reed, who was uh, sister Deborah. You know, I understand like why they put her in there because she's sort of the one struggling with her faith and whatnot. But like, I just, I felt like she was a really throwaway character and I, I don't think she was necessary at all, honestly. And I, yeah, I mean, then like all the other sort of side plots, just, I feel like they weren't important enough or didn't really go anywhere great. You know, when the nun's on screen, she's great. And we didn't have enough. We didn't get enough of her though. And it was just too few and far between. And then we started focusing on it, at times, honestly, it felt like watching um Annabelle creation where like they're bringing in like different things. The nun, I'm uh, not creation. Uh, Annabelle comes home when they start bringing like Annabelle's able to like control other things. So they do that with this, the nun this time where she's introduced, we're introduced to uh, the goat. Uh, I guess I'll call it, which was cool, but it's like, do we really need that? Or do we, can we just focus on the non? She's creepy and scary enough. Is bringing in this alternative stuff necessary? Maybe. I don't know. Cause like, I do think I agree with Todd. Like, I think that dude smiling there or whatever was fucking creepy. I did enjoy the goat character. I thought it was pretty creepy at times, but I feel like there were just a lot of ideas thrown out there and not enough focus on just the nun character. So. I think it was an okay movie, but definitely not anything that will crack the top 10. And I still think we're waiting on this nun character to reach her full potential. 
Yeah, so like uh, Todd mentioned, I rewatched both The Conjuring 2 and The Nun before this movie because I didn't know how much I needed to know to go into this movie. And uh turns out quite a bit for The Nun anyway, not so much for The Conjuring 2. And yeah, The Nun is interesting because I didn't love it the first time. I was, remember being very disappointed by it. But upon rewatching it, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Um, the atmosphere, the sound cues, like the score... Every time the nun comes, there's this like hum that just like builds anticipation for her presence. It was just, it was actually a really like good film as far as a horror film goes. You know, the story was a bit weak and there are plot points that you could see coming a mile away. Uh, Things like the bells on the tombstones and certain things that you're like, okay, this is being telegraphed really, really early and stuff like that. But I did enjoy it overall. So that I definitely raised my score. I gave it a three and a half. Whereas I probably get, would have given it a two and a half had I had Letterbox at that time. So a full extra star on that one. And as far as The Nun 2 goes, I actually really dug it. I, I had a lot of fun watching this movie for a lot of reasons. One, it marries a lot of my favorite things in horror. It marries possession, religious horror. It's got one of my favorite characters in The Nun. It's got like investigation horror, which I really dig. There's just a lot going on here. Fucking religious relics. I love religious relics. It's like something I'm obsessed with and I'm not even religious, which is ironic. I just love the idea of them. And I like the setting. I, the scares were like almost relentless. Uh, now they can't come from all over the place and maybe a little random. Like it doesn't flow as well as it should. But there are a lot of scenes that I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing on screen here. Uh, I do agree that i i wish the nun was in it more i read that she's only in it two minutes and 57 seconds total which is crazy because the movie is called the nun (laughs) and i get that you don't want to show her too much you know because if you show her too much it kind of loses its effectiveness but i think that's a little you know that's a little too much on the kind of small side i think you should see her more because when she does show up holy fuck she's a terrifying character like just her doing nothing in the background there's one scene and i don't remember exactly which scene it was but she's only like in the background kind of inside a cubby and you could just kind of see her face a little bit terrifying she's not doing anything she's just standing there and i, I was getting chills I-, I absolutely loved it now i i get what joe is saying with the uh the various incarnations that Valak takes over the story. This is consistent with the rest of the series because in The Conjuring 2, she does become the Crooked Man and she also manifests as Valak's true form right at the end when the nun is kind of defeated in that movie. So I guess it's consistent, but I agree. Like you have a movie called The Nun, we should see more of The Nun. But the idea of Valak is that it represents what you fear. So when sister irene is being haunted then it's the nun because she's a nun whereas the kid is scared of the goat and the woman is scared of the boy so it makes sense in the sense that uh, valak takes the form that will scare you the most so that's why it's really kind of shown towards sister irene and not the other characters and so it makes sense right but i agree i would still like to see more nun but overall i I really, really enjoyed this movie. I don't know if it'll stay on my... It's on my top 10 now. It's like number eight. I don't think it'll stay there. I hope not. I hope like Saw and Exorcist and stuff take it away, but still very solid film for me. Um, So a question for you guys. 
what were the scariest scenes for you in this movie? Because she does do quite a few. There are a lot of like scare scenes in this one, uh, both kind of anticipatory scares and like jump scare. So which ones were your favorites? Shoot, I loved the scene where Irene goes back to the church and finds a burnt priest and he's in it for a microsecond, but that scene was so cool. And that's what I love about the, the series is that they always do something simple that normally it's not like a jump there's plenty of jump scares in these but there's plenty of stuff too which i think is more effective where it's like oh fuck did i see that you know what i mean and like it registers and then it's gone you're like gosh damn so i think that's the most effective scene in this film unfortunately it's a little bit like if you blinked you would miss that for sure yeah my absolute favorite scene in probably this entire movie uh, is actually a couple i mean there's there's some great stuff in here it's just it's just too bad it kind of gets bogged down in the middle by like a whole lot of nothing happening. But one of my absolute favorite scenes for sure is when the girl uh, kind of opens the door and it's sort of the hallway and, you know, the nuns at the end of the hallway there. I mean, that is just great tension, great creepiness, And I fucking loved that scene. I also really enjoyed most of the scenes um, in that sort of abandoned part of the uh, convent or whatever it is, or in the school there. I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on in there. It's kind of a whole, it has that whole sort of creepy atmosphere going for it. But there's, there's a scene in particular there where, you know, obviously the sheet is kind of over the sort of statue there and that was really cool as well and i i loved the goat man i i fuck it like at times it looked a little goofy but at other times it looked fucking really fucking creepy especially when it was like running around at that one point i just i really love the inclusion of that because you know i love goats so (laughs) (laughs) i like the goat man too and um i really like the scene where the head mistress or whatever is talking and following her son around which is sad by itself and then knowing Balak is fucking around with her and this creepy kid creepy kids in movies and horror movies are always creepy so he was doubly effective in like the dark like sneaking around and shit that was pretty cool yeah I love the amount of times that you're not quite sure if the nun is back there but she kind of is because they she's so faint in like right behind the characters that it's like almost hard to see so it's like is she there is she not there is it actually her is it like uh just burning in the wall or you know it's like they do a really clever job of like the nun could be anywhere you know at any time in this movie and i'm sure there are points where i didn't see her where she was probably there because there, there's a scene i remember vividly and I, I don't remember quite where it is in the movie where she's just there in the background and whether you see her or not is really up to you you know it's not she doesn't jump scare she doesn't do anything she's just standing there and it's, it's so fucking creepy and they they use her very effectively i think in this movie now i i wish i hadn't seen the trailer because some of the better i guess scenes are um scenes they showed in the trailer but still very effective like that magazine scene it's just like a, such a slow build into the nun forming with the magazines apparently that was a horrible fucking bitch to shoot too <laughs> director said that had he known how much work it would be he would not do it again but uh it was really a cool scene and effective Switching gears, has Maurice sealed the deal with the mom before this movie happened? Are they already sneaking around the side? I don't think so. No. No, I I don't think they were. I think they like maybe had a crush on sort of a chemistry there. But no, I don't think they were messing around um, beforehand. Because he's playing the Um, long game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. First, yeah. Trying to get, yeah, yeah, right. Trying to become friends with the daughter and stuff. Which I um, hate. I always hate bullies in horror movies. Yeah. And those three girls deserve something. <laughs> right. Right. Do you? I mean, did did you like Maurice coming back in this? Like, did you think it was like? Well, I guess it makes sense, right? Because like he was possessed, right, in the first movie, so it was kind of the reason the nun ended up at this school. Right. Like, so I guess you kind of had to if you were going to go with this storyline. Yeah. Like, that's how the first one ends. Right. Is that you see that he has he was possessed and you see the video of the Warrens exercising him, which I'm going to bring back later when we get to the the end cred scene, because there's a there's a glitch in the timeline here, which I'm going to try to figure out with you guys. But I like the character enough that I was fine with him coming back. Like, he's a good character. He seems like a really good dude. You know, his heart's in the right place. He's likable. Yeah, he's, he's likable. Absolute fucking horrible French-Canadian accent. Like, not at all fucking French-Canadian. I don't know what the fuck. Why they even bothered making him French-Canadian if you're not going to even he's try. He's a French native. What are you talking about? He's, he's, he's from Belgium. That's like... I know. I just, I just yeah. pulled that out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, no, just don't do not do it. If you're not going to be able to pull it off. But likable character nonetheless. So I, I it was a good way to get... The characters back together and to also to get valak kind of into this story so I, I wasn't mad at it now what was kind of disappointing it, having rewatched the nun is the main character the nun other than you know tessa formiga's character is the priest who they basically just write off being like ah he died cholera <laughs> like great this f- character i followed through the whole first film just you know they really mudded him so i think a really Although I liked the first scene a lot, I think a better scene would have been him killing, Valak killing the priest. That would have been fucking cool. Like, kind of like a scream does, you know, have a popular character and then kill him off in the opening scene. I think that would have been really effective and kind of a missed opportunity. Now, I uh, shout out to Mondo who brought this up in our Discord, and I didn't even really think about it at the time. And I don't know if it was it's ever been discussed in the entire Conjuring universe, but he said that he thinks, uh, and they sort of hint at it at points, is that Thaisa's character has a potential connection to Lorraine Warren that we're at some point we're going to find out that they have sort of a lineage, a family lineage together, which makes absolute sense right like but i just like has that uh come out yet or is that just sort of a theory out there uh, I, I think that's where the whole descendants of saint lucy comes into play yeah because so and to answer your question todd the reason that they didn't kill that priest specifically is well probably because they couldn't get the actor back but the actual movie reason is that he was hunt she was hunting down the descendants of saint lucy uh, that's what she's going from place to place so it would have been weird that both Sister Irene and the priest were descended that from St. Lucy. A, it could have been a side revenge, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, sh- it, could, it could have been, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that's where they're heading, is that you're going to find out that they're related. And that's why Valak was also attacking Lorraine Warren in The Conjuring 2. So explain the mid-credit scene where they talk on the phone. Because I, I, I don't remember anything about Part 2 or Part 1 of The Nun. Okay, so, and I know Joe didn't see it, so it's really nothing. It's like two minutes into the credits. Basically, they get a phone call. The Warrens, like uh, played by you know Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga, they get a phone call from someone that says that there's a very important case that they need to work on. So, the, and they leave it at that. 
there's a few things that could be. Number one, that could set up uh, Conjuring the Last Rite, which is the last Conjuring movie that they're supposed to make, which we know nothing about, so we don't know. Maybe they're setting that up. Or alternatively, and this is what I was trying to get at, and I haven't read this, I'm just kind of making this up on my own. Presumably, Maurice is still possessed at the end of The Nun 2 because the exorcism scene that we see at the end of the first nun happens right before the first conjuring movie because you see uh the woman from the first conjuring in the audience which is where she meets the warrens and tells her about her problem so that could not have happened yet in this storyline and we clearly see that maurice is possessed and being filmed being exercised by the warrens so I guess that's where the stories are going to come together. So I'm wondering if the phone call is them saying, I have a case and the case is actually Maurice and they're going to merge the nun and the conjuring series into one. So I don't know what their intentions are with conjuring Four. I thought it was to finish the story, like maybe Ed's death because he does die considerably before uh, Lorraine in real life or if they're just merging their two franchises together and making it a prequel to the first Conjuring by being like one of their first big cases. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure. That's kind of where I'm I, at. I, I like it, right? Like merging these two franchises together makes a lot of sense. It's just weird that they would, you know, if they're going to finish it off, why finish it off as a prequel? But yeah, it is kind of a long, they've been playing sort of the long game, I guess, right? Because I mean, that Marie, that same, is it the same exact actor? Well, you don't you don't like, see him in the conjuring, so they they added that scene in. Okay, the nun, after you know? the fact. Yeah. Okay, right. So okay, that was always the thought process. Gotcha. I mean, um, I don't hate it. Like, I think it'd be kind of a cool thing to kind of. I mean, but they've already battled Valak. But right? well, he, like, he, here's didn't... here's my issue with it, right? Yeah. And that's what I wanted to get to. Uh, having rewatched the Conjuring two now, they don't know about Valak's existence at the beginning of the Conjuring two. It's a vision that starts happening at the Amityville house that she starts getting haunted by Valak and then leads into the events of Conjuring 2. And she doesn't even know Valak's name, right? That's a big part of the Conjuring 2 is knowing the demon's name. She figures it out by the end of the movie, and that's how she eventually defeats She doesn't Valak. spell it out in the beginning of the movie, in Conjuring 2? She, she does, but she doesn't know because she's just like scribbling on a Bible and she remembers later that she had done that. Right. She doesn't yeah, actually... they, that's right. They don't even know the name. They figure out the name. That, that's like, the, yeah. That's the, the end big, of the movie. That's right. Yeah. That's how they defeat Valak is by knowing its name and like. Right. Yeah. So if they don't know Valak, and they've never seen Valak before the Amityville situation, how can they merge those stories? Because Maurice is, you know, so who's who's hypnotism. Like uh, yeah, insidious, oh they all they'll that. all forget they'll all forget it I at the end. That. That, that's how they'll that's how they'll do it. Like Lorraine will hypnotize everyone or something, but that it wouldn't explain how she wouldn't remember either. But yeah, I mean, I just so why do I feel like the nun movies like take place like a hundred years before the Conjuring? Though, well, it's like the fifties it and the Conjuring like are seventies. Okay, okay, so it's twenty years. The, the, the okay. nun number one feels like it's a hundred years in the future. Yeah, right, right, right. right. This one felt a little more. Because it's but, in Romania, they they actually yeah. specifically talk about that, saying like this is old country. It's not mm. like where you're used to. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, I I think they need you in the writers' room, Steve. You're bringing up good points here. How they get to tie it all together? 
Yeah, I, I think that if I were to do this franchise, and this is kind of goes to Eric's question, what would you do with the Conjuring franchise? Is I would bring the franchises together, but post Conjuring 2. So I would have it that they did exercise Maurice, but not knowing like what demon they were dealing with at that time. And Irene sees that there's Valak is still not defeated, and she goes to the only other person who has defeated Valak, and that would be uh, her and they kind of deal with her at the end as the final big bad for the conjuring you know is that let's join our forces together and defeat valak once and for all after valak kills patrick wilson yeah i think that that would be the move because that would kind of set up valak as really powerful you know and finally kind of complete the job they were supposed to do in conjuring 2 with the tree that's you know she shows him patrick wilson dying and that would explain also in reality that ed warren did die before and that would make the two farmiga sisters kind of the force behind conjuring for the last rite which is like the perfect title for both a religious nun movie and the final conjuring movie i like it how did ed warren die in real life hard time yeah like, yeah, like cancer some some yeah no so, nothing uh exciting <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But you can totally make it. Well, Patrick like... dies off screen in the first ten minutes of the film from a heart attack. No, but he yeah, it could also be that. that. Uh... <laughs> I <know. laughs> yeah, I mean, Valak could like put the sickness scares him, on scares him. Scares him to death. Yeah, something. You're right. Mm-hmm. So, just taking a shit and it just comes out of fucking the towel rack. Yeah, but it does bring back uh, the Conjuring too, because when you know Joe, you had mentioned uh, you liked the scene where she opens the door. It's Valak at the end of the hallway. That's taken straight out of the Conjuring too, because that's the very ugly fucking flower, <laughs> like decor that the Warrens have in their house. So they're starting to merge those uh, those franchises together. So she's seeing Vision, or who was it? Is the kid eh, that saw that? Yeah, I think it's the uh, kid, the, the little girl that sees the little girl. The little girl. Yeah. 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 So she's seeing part of the Conjuring. So I think they're starting to meld those worlds together i gotta i gotta say i think the nun plays better as a side character because i i don't know if it's just the filmmaking i don't know i think it's whatever i I think it's the writing like i i think these all these side projects are never as good as granted conjuring 3 wasn't that great but I just feel like they're not putting as much detail and attention on these sort of side movies as they are like the main conjuring movies yeah i mean because conjuring 2 is fucking amazing you know no they know they're gonna make money so they're just trying to kind of churn out these side projects and they're they're gonna do well i mean the nun's killing it man movie i would would be okay with that but (laughs) i mean the nun 2 is killing it it did really 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 well in theaters yeah and i think it's still doing well i mean obviously it's the time of the year too right you you release these movies around start getting around spooky season they're gonna do well but yeah i mean i yeah so like i mean are we gonna get it on three or do you think it's gonna be right into the last right steve it i don't know i heard there's issues with bonnie aaron's down uh, right yeah i mean that's the other big uh, thing yeah the whole lawsuit going on so you know lady oh absolutely yeah they might but also you could you can easily easily get another (laughs) actress in there yeah. So I, and I think that's probably the route they're going to go with unless they come to some agreement, 
you know, on using her likeness and not getting money for it. So yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be a shame, but I think she's very at the same time replaceable. It's not like she talks or anything. And I think you could find an actress that looks pretty similar to she her. She could do cons to the end of time as well. Good yeah, time. right. Exactly. But still, you know, you did the word get paid for. But yeah, of you know, course. You, yeah. You know what I don't like, and it makes sense that you guys connected um, Conjuring Three and this guy being the same director. Is that like Conjuring Three? Ed Warren is like jack torrance going crazy with sledgehammer and then this one you have maurice the 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 man fucking going nuts again like let's get it let's do something else like it's back-to-back films with the same same like final arc of the guy being unstoppable and we have to take him out i don't really like it yeah for sure and something else that i keep wanting to see and i, I get why they're not doing it but at the same time i still want to see it is like i i wish that the valak took possession of that form by killing a real nun and that's where bonnie Aarons can come in kind of as herself and have like a really cool story is how she killed her and took her soul so that she's using kind of that manifestation going forward you know i thought every time they show a flashback i'm like oh here it is we're gonna get that like nun backstory how they how she got that specific body but i would like to see them bring the nun into current times i think you know she's a fucking a bunch of with a bunch of youtubers a, a demon well maybe not like current maybe, like but i don't know like some like take her out of like uh old country romania i think like she was fucking creepy in the conjuring movies and she wasn't in like the old times you know like just her walking around sort of a current room not a current but like a 70s style room like that was fucking scary like she doesn't need the already gothic Romanian backdrop to make her scary, which I think is what they think they need to do. But she was scariest in Conjuring 2 when she was just in normal settings. Yeah, uh, so I'm seeing her at a like, yeah. playground, man. Right. Like yeah. the night or something. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Or like at a school, a modern school. Yeah. Kids seeing her in like elementary school would be terrifying. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but all that could be in the Conjuring 4, right? If they sure. do merge these things together, Conjur- uh, Ed would dies in the 90s. So if it's set in the mid 90s like he dies yeah i think that'd be awesome when he's like 80 years old he yeah, still he's, got he's, it he's like 70 or something i don't yeah. think he was that old back then i don't know because lorraine just died recently within yeah, the past few years i missed my chance to meet her <laughs> she wasn't that old she was like old but she wasn't like oh she wasn't like 100 <laughs> right yeah. I, do we even know what's happened to this warren museum yeah, or their still, basement thing it's still, still a thing yeah, yeah, can you go like you, can you go, go visit it or is it just like cut off like i think you can it's the son-in-law that runs it now yeah i think he still does like special dinners where i I thought about so my wife and i were talking about doing the one with lorraine warren where they take out annabelle and like show that you don't you don't touch annabelle but they take her out of the case and they kind of show you and you have a dinner it's like 30 people and we were really considering going and then we did the classic mistake of Maybe not this year because we were moving that year. Maybe next year, and then she died. So she I died. thought about it too, but wasn't it? It was like six hundred bucks a person or something, wasn't it? Something I mean, yeah, crazy like that. Yeah, it's a, it was. It would have been a great. Like, it would have been a good story. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Steve would be the yeah. one where they're like, "Okay, let's go to the other room. Everyone, stay with us." And he fucking sneaks back. Yeah, <laughs> and he tickles the fucking doll's hair, and then he's Definitely. possessed. Yeah, and then, I get and then we're that. doing a pod with fucking ghosts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have enough like. I don't know what the term is, but enough to be like, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> like going to that haunted, quote unquote, haunted basement tour thing. Nah. Yeah, I know for a while they were kind of toting around the, I don't know, what do you call it? The massive, you know, like that massive cabinet in the Conjuring Last where the, the thing is like on top of it and jumps down. 
like what oh, they yeah. base really? that off of. Yeah, they actually they have that like piece of furniture cool. from the real story, and they were I know they were kind of bringing that around to some cons. <laughs> nice. I didn't never got to see it, but yeah, very cool. Yeah, they, all right. What else? Anything? We reviewing this? We uh, rating it? <laughs> We've yeah, already been reviewing it. We rated yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's all I had for it. It's uh it's interesting. Yeah, I I just I really loved it. So where yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see where it goes from here. I, I like I don't hate the idea of just finally merging these two franchises though. Cause I just don't know what you do with a part three at this point. Like I feel like it would just be more of the same. And it's like you need to change it up at this point. So I guess we'll see. All right. I'll rate, I'll start us off uh, rating it. I, yeah, I mean, I'm very like, sort of like the Demeter last week. Like I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, but I do think it's an improvement over the first movie. I think there's some excellent scenes in here. And I just, once again, I just don't think the nun character has reached her full potential. I think her, her best performance was still in Conjuring 2. Like the, some of the creepiest scenes in that movie were all be thanks to the nun. So yeah, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Decent watch. I, I don't hate that I watched it. Will it be something I ever revisit though? Probably not. So yeah, I'm going to do it a three out of five on it. Yeah. And I disagree. I, I think the nun character peaked in part two. I think they've been trying to capture that that essence and I just don't, I don't think you can't for reasons that we've discussed already. In the theater, I was mostly bored with it. I actually nodded off quite a bit. And uh, there's, there's such a cool story here with the nun, but they're just, they've missed it twice in a row, in my opinion. So it's two and a half out of five. Yeah, I, I think the nun parts of this movie were great. So I think they are capturing kind of the essence. All two minutes of, of it. Yeah, all three minutes. Yeah, all three <laughs> minutes of it. Um, I think they are capturing the essence of what the nun was in The Conjuring Two. You know, uh, because she's not in it much, it kind of made those scenes uh, more special. You know, than they would be normally. And I, like I said, I really dug it. I was all into it. Uh, I thought the time passed by super fast. A lot of scares, a lot of memorable moments, and it gave me a lot to think about. So I liked it a lot. I, I gave it a four out of five. Like I said, not I don't think it'll stay in my top ten this year, but it's it's in there now. Just you know, it's it's gonna hopefully gonna get bumped off in the next three months. So I'm very happy with it. Either either you improved your your score or Joe dropped his down. Because I remember one you had a three and a half at one point. For what? For the nun too. I, I never put had, on Letterboxd. He, so. I think you saw his uh, nun one review. He oh, redid it. That might have been it. That might have yeah. been it. Do you still mm-hmm. have your nun? animatronic steve yeah it's right behind me yeah i have a whole i have a whole nun shelf and everything that's the one i gifted you right yeah joe gave it yeah Yeah. i love the nun it's uh i got a whole shelf dedicated to her with a few nun things and i I just dig that i don't know there's something about nuns that freak me out uh i I find religion in general to be scary like i don't know me the way i grew up my grandparents house was near a church and a cemetery and there's a lot of haunted stories of priests and nuns and stuff in that area. So I guess I always grew up thinking religious people are scary. And there's something about this character that just freaks me out. And I love it. And you met, you met Bonnie at Frightmare, right? I, I checked in next to her. Oh, <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah. Right. When I walk into the hotel for Texas Frightmare, I look to my right and there's fucking the nun Bonnie Aaron's checking in on my right. And and Michael Myers on my left checking in, <laughs> so it's like me between the two fucking icons. It's crazy. It's uh, it's quite the weekend. And I got to start see her party at uh, at the bar with Cody. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> there was only like twenty people at the bar, 
15 of them were probably celebrities. Me and Cody, like, just having our drinks, be like, oh my God, there's the nun talking to two Michael Myers, to Art the Clown, to like, oh, it was crazy. What a fucking crazy weekend. So yeah, I, I did get to, to meet uh, Bonnie Arons, but I didn't go to her table because I already had her autograph, but I did get to meet her outside of the con. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that it, folks? That's it. All righty, guys. I think that's going to be it. Uh, we did get a couple of last-minute questions, but we are out of time. But So we'll save them for next uh, our next question segment. So thank you for sending in those last-minute questions. We're always appreciative of you guys for bringing in, sending in your questions. All right, but that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of The Nun 2. Next week, we are going to be reviewing Steve's pick of arachnophobia. So get those, uh, get that bug spray out, get those boots, those strong boots on, get ready to stomp out some bugs next week. And in the meantime, though, you can keep up with the podcast on any of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads. All you gotta do, just search the Horror Squad podcast. You can also email us anytime, the Horror Squad podcast at gmail.com. And of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send us a DM through any of our socials and we will get you a link to that amazing Discord, amazing community over there. Always talking about everything. You know, people posting food pictures of their meals, people talking in horror movies. We got movie club. We got fancy football now. Whole bunch of fun stuff over there. So come and join a great horror community over there. Also, don't forget about our events we just mentioned on the show october 7th ari leeming ari leeman at silverman comics the first jason october 28th douglas tate who played michael myers and jason Voorhees, also signing at silvermoon comics and our big big event on october 20th and 21st it's just a bunch of halloween with thor birch omri katz jason marsden and vanessa shaw head to it's just a bunch of halloween.com for all information about that event and i think that's about it folks so we'll see you guys next week for arachnophobia bye bye bye